Stu Does America. Check out State of the Race, a bonus podcast available for free under the Studios America stream. We had an episode this morning. We'll probably do another one maybe later this week, maybe Friday. We'll see. We'll see how the news goes. Uh, If you could uh, check that out, we'd appreciate it. It's only available on audio. Of course, the video stuff you can get at YouTube.com slash America and blazetv.com slash stew. Do all those things. We appreciate it. Glenn Beck is here to start uh, talking about the Biden administration's latest sinister moves that you have not heard about yet. Um, Also, I've been pretty tolerant of the left. At least this is my version of being tolerant of the left. But when you come after in and out you come after all of us. I'll explain what's going on there. But we start by doing New Hampshire's winners and losers. Yes, it was a big night last night with the New Hampshire primary coming and going. And now we have another month until something else happens in South Carolina. Uh, The results last night, Donald Trump, 54.3% of the vote. Nikki Haley, 43.3% of the vote, an 11-point margin. Um, And we, we talked about what's a win, what's a loss for Nikki Haley. I don't think anyone actually considered that she was going to win last night. Uh, Maybe a few weeks ago, you you were entertaining that possibility. But going into last night, it was just really a question of how big the margin was going to be. We sort of set this last night as as generic metrics for what was good and what was bad for Nikki Haley. If she lost by more than 20, which is what a lot of the polls were showing going into this race, we were going to say, that's, you know, catastrophic, got to drop out of the race. If she can keep it in single digits, it's kind of a win for her. Uh, Maybe justifies her going forward. Instead, she kind of comes in the middle of that, maybe the good side of the middle, if you want to say, for Nikki Haley. We talked about last night, maybe it being about a 15-point race, wound up being about an 11-point race. So... I don't know. I mean, I guess you could look at that and say, eh, it's better better than um, expected by a little bit, but not exactly a win, right? You don't want to lose by double digits. There's two ways to look at this, right? Like, you could look at this as a normal primary, and if this was a normal primary, you're thrilled to beat your opponent by 11 points. Uh, some people are look, trying to look at this as, okay, well, he's an incumbent, and in an incumbent pri- primary, you almost never see elections this close. So, is it impressive? Is it underwhelming? You know, that's kind of for you to decide. I will say uh, one of the things to consider here is the delegate count. Again, uh, the delegate count looks like it's going to wind up, if I had to guess, 13 to 9. Donald Trump winning delegates 13 to 9. Delegates could become more important uh, in the uh, future as we go through this race if Nikki Haley does, in fact, stay in. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. Of course, Trump not happy that Nikki might stay in. Stay. Stay in. Trump tears into Haley after New Hampshire victory. Uh, You could tell, like, Donald Trump has, like, two modes. It's, like, vicious attack dog, I'm going to murder you mode when you're in a competition. And then when he's finally dispatched of you, then he's the nicest guy in the world. Those are his two modes. And so far, he's not dispatched of Nikki Haley because she's saying she's going to continue. So he's going to destroy her uh, every single day. Here's a little bit of that. Uh, and he's, she's got a month ahead uh, looking forward to stuff just like this. Today, I have to tell you, it was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely <laughs> when it was at seven. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But- She ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. (laughs) And he went on and on and on and on and on, just going after Nikki Haley. Now, of course, it didn't end up at 14. As we mentioned, it ended up kind of in between those two numbers at 11. 
look, this is very standard fare for candidates, right? You, you go out, you finish in second, unless you're sure you're dropping out, you just kind of say, we did way better than everyone thought. And woo, we're going on. I mean, that was the classic Howard Dean, right? Like that was his moment. You go out there and you say all the states you're going to. There's lots of states left. And we're, we're in it for the long haul. Uh, Nikki Haley refuses to quit, insisting she can still beat Trump. That is an optimistic picture as to where she stands right now. Uh, here she is talking about not, going, uh, not wanting to drop out. If you don't win today, do you go on to South Carolina? And I'm from South Carolina, and we love you there. We love Tim Scott there, but Donald Trump is also loved there. You don't want to go into your state and lose that state if you stay in the race, because we'd love to see you in some other capacity down the road. What is your response to that? Do you get out if you lose today? No, I don't get out if I lose today. I mean, first of all, again, I'm going to say this. We've had 56,000 people vote for Donald Trump, and you're going to say that's what the country wants. That's not what the country wants. We're going to have New Hampshire vote today. They deserve to have the power of their voice said. Yeah, and of course that's leading up to her vote uh, the, uh, the, on, uh, uh, in the primary. Of course, she wound up not winning, but in saying that she was going to go forward. So, I mean, what does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't mean much. I mean, it's not a huge surprise. She's got a lot of money and she's probably going to continue. The Wall Street Journal editorial page came out with, a, with a, an op-ed. Nikki Haley earns the chance to fight on after New Hampshire. This made a lot of uh, Trump supporters pretty upset, um, but it did sort of outline something we've talked about many, many times here on the program about what exactly is the incentive of Nikki Haley going forward. Sure, someone like Ron DeSantis probably has a long-term future in the party, or at least believes he does, and wants to protect his image with, uh, among the group of people who have the power in the party, which, again, this is a MAGA party at this point. That's what the Republican Party is. The Republican establishment is John, Donald Trump and the people who are surrounding Donald Trump at this point. Yes, there are people like Mitch McConnell out there that still exist, but like they don't have the power that Donald Trump has. Donald Trump has control of this party quite clearly at this point. But the question is, what does Nikki Haley do? If she's not going to be in the in-group with those guys, why not push this a little bit farther? Why not see what happens? She's not going to have trouble getting a gig. She's not going to have to, she can go be, you know, be on the board of Raytheon or Fox News or whatever after this. She's going to have no problem uh, keeping uh, her highly respected uh, job uh, situation going on. It's just a question of whether she's going to run for office again. And I don't know, this might be the last time she does that. They outline the, this as we've talked about it as well. If she can remain competitive, say, talking about Haley, there's an argument for Ms. Haley to stay in the race through the July convention. Ms. Mr. Trump faces a treacherous legal road and one of the cases against him could go to trial. If he's convicted of a felony, 42 percent of voters in New Hampshire and nearly, nearly a third of Iowa's Republican caucus goers said Mr. Trump would be unfit for the presidency. That would mean he can't win. Now, again, there's a lot of assumptions built into that, but I'm just giving you their case. Ms. Haley could stay in the race, rack up delegates and see what happens if he is found guilty. It's sort of a dark road, right? Like you're hoping and predicting, hey, maybe. Maybe Donald Trump will get convicted of a crime and I can slide on in here. And it's unclear whether that would actually happen, even if she did finish in a convincing second. But just and, and they, they're talking about staying in there till July. That's a, a, a big ask for a candidacy to continue all the way to the convention when really nothing's going on. It's something that we saw with Bernie Sanders. And I don't know. I mean, his followers really liked him. But Bernie Sanders had really passionate followers. Nikki Haley has kind of like passive followers, more passionate against Trump than passionate for Haley. So staying in this race until July seems like a big ask. But 
staying in this race until Super Tuesday, you know, it's only January, right? Like th- this election is happening in November. To stay until Super Tuesday, which is March 5th, doesn't seem like it would be that crazy. She will get some delegates in South Carolina, most likely. Um, I, I, and, you know, then you go, uh, there's, there's Michigan is in there. I don't have this, the exact calendar in, in front of me, but Michigan's there. Uh, you have, uh, then you go to Super Tuesday. There's a bunch of states. I went through some of the states today just kind of looking at uh, can she get any delegates because there are uh, different rules for each state. Some states are going to be tough for her to get delegates, right? They're going to be Trump-friendly states. And a lot of these states have 50% plus uh, winner-take-all situations going on. So with only two people in the race, right, you lose. You're almost automatically going to be having your opponent above 50%, which means they take all the delegates for the state. And there's some states that are in that situation. A couple of them she could be competitive in, uh, maybe Vermont, maybe Massachusetts she could be competitive in. Maybe she can beat Trump in those states. I mean, it doesn't seem like it right now, but it's theoretically possible. And then you have uh, you have a Utah caucus. You have uh, the Maine primary, Colorado, uh, and California, which is 169 delegates. And that's a winner-take-all, and almost definitely Donald Trump. Trump is going to win that. So those are really the worst case scenario for Nikki Haley on Super Tuesday. Then uh, for you have some of these are like they'll award some delegates to the winner of the state and some for districts. So those she probably would lose uh, the uh, state vote, but might be able to pick up some delegates in these other um, contests, maybe on a, on a district level. Uh, Virginia, um, Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama. Ten, uh, and then Tennessee starts off the run of states where they are um, distributed basically based on vote like New Hampshire was. So she gets 40 percent of the votes. She gets 40 percent of the delegates or something close to that. Uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, Minnesota and Alaska. So there you go. There are some delegates she can pick up. She's not going to be ahead after Super Tuesday unless something really drastic changes. But she might wind up with 20 percent. 30% of the delegates? And if she has 30% of the delegates, um, maybe she continues. Maybe she decides to try to keep going. She might have two or 300 delegates, a block like that. She could bring that to the convention and she'd control those delegates and maybe she'd have bargaining power. Or maybe, you know, there's a hundred things that could go on with those delegates. And if Trump does wind up you know, having legal troubles and, and flaming out, she'd be the sort of on paper, obvious second place finisher. And there's some value in that for her if things shake apart. Remember, uh, you know, while this is kind of a, 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 a MAGA party these days, there's still the, the forces of older Republican uh, traditions, and maybe they would choose her. Who knows what could go on? Again, if your future is a little dim at this point, as Nikki Haley seems to be within this version of the Republican Party, I don't know how much downside there is to doing this. Again, it's January. It's January. If you think about it from your perspective, if you are Nikki Haley, why not? You're going to get a bunch of insults for Donald Trump for a month, for a month, month and a half. And then you drop out and and then he probably says nice things about you. If you're Donald Trump, I can see saying, hey, wait a minute, like I got to now expend resources to win these uh, primaries. I don't want to have to do that. I want to focus on Joe Biden and my legal situation I have to deal with. That's understandable. But really, I don't think he has to expend any resources to win these states. Basically, do a couple of interviews on friendly shows, maybe do a couple of rallies in states that will double as purple states. So you get kind of the double, uh, you know, uh, double value of the primary and general election. 
and rest on your laurels. You're probably going to win anyway. Um, we'll take a quick look here at uh, 2000, how the 2016 candidates kind of played over. Uh, this is kind of an interesting analysis from the Washington Post. See how Trump pulled support from his 2016 rivals to fuel his New Hampshire win. And you see this graphic. I don't know how much of this you're going to be able to tell. I'll, I'll describe this to you. Uh, it's kind of hard to read, probably, if you're, especially if you're watching on your phone or something. But um, if you are listening to podcasts, I'll describe it. Basically, Trump, m- most of the voters the, that Trump had in 2016 remained with him. Uh, a few of them uh, left, but most of them, of course, stayed with him. A few John Kasich supporters came over to Donald Trump this time. Almost all the Ted Cruz supporters from New Hampshire came over to Donald Trump. And then uh, some, about, about a third of moderates and about half of the other candidates came over to Donald Trump to make up his 55%. Haley supporters came from other sources, as you might mention, uh, largely about two-thirds of the other moderates category, a little tiny sliver of Cruz voters, almost all the Kasich voters, and, and actually a sliver of the Trump voters. Interestingly enough, I would say there are more, percentage-wise, people who abandoned Trump and went to Haley than people who uh, went from Cruz to Haley, which is kind of a fascinating turn of events. Uh, but there you go. That is... I remember, too, in 2016, Trump was kind of seen more as a moderate candidate who didn't have conservative policy goals. And, and since then, uh, the idea of what a conservative is has sort of uh, changed. And those policy goals aren't as, as important as maybe the cultural aspects uh, and approach of his candidacy. Um, let me give you some stuff from the exit polling, some interesting stuff in here. And this is one of the big uh, arguments for people who said, look, tr- yeah, Trump won, but the uh, and, sh- and he won only by 11 points. But the reason why he did that is because all these moderates and Democrats came in and that is largely uh, true, especially when you talk about the moderate part of that. When you d- uh, split it up by party ID, about 6% of the voters in the primary were Democrats, 43% independent, and 51% Republican. Now, among the, if you were a Democrat voting in this primary, uh, Trump lost 88 to 6, as you might expect. If you were an independent voting in this primary, Trump lost 60 to 38, as you might expect. But he more than makes that up among Republican voters, more than half of the electorate, and wins those voters 74 to 25. When you go to ideology, uh, very conservative voters, uh, Trump won 88 to 11. That's about a quarter of the electorate. Uh, the biggest scoop of the electorate is the somewhat conservative uh, group. That's 41% of the electorate, and Donald Trump won that easily, 60 to 38. Now you get over to the moderates, which again is about a quarter of the electorate. And Nikki Haley won those voters of about three to one. And the liberal voters of only 6% of the electorate, but Nikki Haley, of course, stomped among that group, 85 to 10. Uh, they also had a couple of interesting issue polls in here. What do the issues mean? How do they affect people's vote? If you think most undocumented immigrants in the U.S. should be offered a chance at legal status, essentially a weak border position, uh, about 41 percent of the voters said that. Now, of course, you recognize right off the bat this is not a normal Republican electorate. This would not be a 40 percent issue among a normal Republican electorate. But uh, Haley wins those uh, voters easily three to one. Uh, If you think most undocumented immigrants should be deported, Trump wins that group easily, about three to one, and that's the larger group. Again, that explains the entire difference uh, in the uh, polling uh, or the uh, results when it comes to Haley and Trump. How about condition of the nation's economy? I found this to be uh, pretty interesting. 
If you think the economy is good, which is only about 22 percent of Republicans, uh, Republican electorate here, uh, Haley wins 84 to 14. So if you think the, the economy is fine, you like Nikki Haley over Trump. If you think it's not so good. So uh, this is not this is this is interesting. Just not so good. 36 percent of the population. Uh, Haley wins with 12 percent by 12 percent in that uh, voting populace. But if you think the economy is poor, you are all about Donald Trump. It's only a 38 percent of the electorate in this particular election. But Trump wins 89 to 10 among those people. People remember the Trump economy. They remember they liked it quite a bit. They remember they liked it a hell of a lot more than they like Joe Biden's economy, despite Bidenomics. Bidenomics strikes back. Available at studosmerch.com. Um, there's no doubt about it. If you think the economy sucks, which a lot of people do, and again, to Nikki Haley's demise potentially in the future, a lot of these states she's going into are going to think the economy's poor. They're not going to think it's good or moderate like uh, the voters in New Hampshire did. Uh, we've talked about this split quite a bit. Do you think Joe Biden legitimately won in 2020? This plays off pretty much the same way as we've been talking about, where if you think Joe Biden won legitimately fair and square, you go Nikki Haley, 77 to 21. Um, if you think Donald Trump was screwed over in 2020, you go Donald Trump, 86 to 13. The interesting part about this particular state and this split in this state, as that is going to be a lot different than future states, is in New Hampshire, it was about a 50-50 issue. 51% said uh, Trump got screwed, 47% said uh, Biden won fair and square, and that is not going to be the split of future uh, electorate here in, in this particular primary season. Uh, let me get this final one. This one I found to be just completely bizarre. Sometimes you find funny stuff in the, uh, in the exit polls, and I, I wanted to bring this to you. Um, the U.S. role in world affairs. What would you say if you say one thing about Nikki Haley? How does she distinguish herself from other candidates in this primary? She wants to be super aggressive, right, when it comes to foreign affairs. This is her expertise. It's the one thing she's really stood on. She's been super wishy-washy on stuff like abortion and trans children and all that stuff. But she's been very strong on more funding for Ukraine, more aggressive on the world stage. That is the one thing that has been super consistent. However, the polling shows something very strange. Now, if you want to be um, more active, more active on the world stage, so more aggressive, more active, more involved, those voters didn't go for Haley. They went for Trump, 57 to 41. If you want to be less active than we are now, you'd expect these voters to go for Trump. And they did, 67 to 32. However, if you want it to be exactly the same as we are right now, those voters went overwhelmingly to Nikki Haley, which is strange. I guess maybe these are the people who like Biden and his approach. I want to keep it exactly the same. Um, and they decided to go for Biden. Just a just a or excuse me for Haley, which is just kind of a strange quirk in a very strange election. Look, we're kind of past the tier one primary. It's very difficult to picture a scenario without something massive changing that Donald Trump would lose this under normal circumstances. He's basically won at this point. He's got a one-on-one -on -one race against a candidate that doesn't have a lot of passion, that wins, wins with moderates and Democrats going into states where many of them can't vote. Very, very difficult to see a path forward for her to win under normal terms here, unless, you know, something incredibly crazy were to happen. But 
Guess what, boys and girls? Something incredibly crazy just might happen. Certainly more likely than any other election we've ever seen when you have a candidate that has 91 charges against them and they seem to want to shoot into space if they have the chance. Um, South Carolina is next in a month, and then Super Tuesday is only 10 days after that. Quickly, let me give you uh, the Democratic side of that of what happened. Biden did win. Uh, there was the slightest bit of drama of whether Biden could win in New Hampshire just because he had to win a write-in campaign. The final results, 53.8% uh, for Joe Biden. And then, and it looks like it's not, I mean, he won by what, 30 points? That's not so impressive uh, over Dean Phillips, who nobody knows. But in reality, the group there, unprocessed write-in, almost all those people are also going to be Biden. So you're talking about a margin of about 72 to 20. Uh, for Joe Biden and no problem at all in that primary, even with the right in situation. Dean Phillips finishing second in that. He says he will continue, though. Again, this is what everyone says. It doesn't matter if you actually won or actually lost. You just say you're going to continue and then figure it out later. And I like this because if you can lose by 52 points and still continue, I think it's time for me to announce I am going to continue my run for president. Now, you didn't know I was voting. I lost by 100 points in all of the previous primaries, but I would like to announce I'm continuing my run for president of the United States. You can donate lots of money to me now. Send your cash to me right now. I don't know if... Uh, Faking a presidential campaign and then demanding money from people uh, who are listening to your podcast is the exact way Constitution Wealth would encourage you to retire in the future. But they have a lot of good plans. I don't know if they're as good as that one. I mean, that one's really good. But Constitution Wealth is the patriot's choice in wealth management. If you avoid shopping at like, you know, if you're buying Disney products or buying Bud Light or shopping at Target or whatever stance maybe you've taken over the past year or two, you know it can be difficult to avoid those things. But when you're talking about investing, it gets a lot harder because you're buying some mutual fund or something, some ETF, and you're actually maybe investing in some of these businesses that you're trying to avoid in your real life. Why not align those things? Things. Why not bring that all together? Still get great returns, but not invest in woke companies. That's what Constitution Wealth can do for you. Uh, they can help you build a solid investment plan. You have to retire someday, but don't you want to avoid ESG and DEI and you know whatever other uh, thing that you want to avoid? If you you know if you if you are someone who really cares about a pro-life cause and you want to avoid companies that donate to you know Planned Parenthood. You can help sort all that out with Constitution Wealth. This is your opportunity to help build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. Work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values. Why would you do anything else? ConstitutionWealth.com slash stew. ConstitutionWealth.com slash stew. Get a free consultation today. It's ConstitutionWealth.com slash stew. I'm joined now by a very serious guest, Glenn Beck. He has a brand new special coming up tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. It is the secret network helping Biden fuel the border invasion. Glenn, how are you? Very good, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> Code <Is> border invasion. <laughs> yes, it's coming yeah, soon to a border right. near you. Right. Uh, your special tonight is about the border, which has now taken over as the number one issue for voters in yeah. America. What a surprise. It only takes 10 million people. Yeah. Beating, you know what I mean? Beating out inflation, though. I mean, this yeah. it's always the economy. Economy, right, like you know, the economy's stupid has always had some. It's but I think true, this is directly. This is different this time, mm. because it is directly related to the economy. 
where, where are these people going to school? I'm paying taxes for it. Yeah. Where the hospital? Uh, my family can't get into the hospital. Um, are Eric they Adams. taking jobs? Uh, yeah. Eric, ask Eric Adams how it's affecting the economy, right? Like these mayors that all of a sudden have to deal with this, yeah. they're all admitting what we've been saying right. is true for a very long time. Right. And so, uh, you know, all of this stuff is all of this stuff is happening now. And I think it does relate back to the economy. But in the end, it still will be the economy, stupid. Yeah, I, I, and like, and the economy, stupid, always has relevance. Not an, an infallible point, but it has always been a real point. Uh, but the border, it's, it's so bad. It's one of those things that I think would always be a big issue among Republican voters. But the fact that America as a whole now sees this as a top issue just shows how out of control it is. To have Chicago not LA, but Chicago and um, uh, New York, to actually now say, hey, this policy is not working. Now, the minute a Republican gets in and they calm this down, they'll go back to being a sanctuary city. Mm -hmm. But for them to reject the sanctuary city nonsense and actually have to address this doesn't work is a huge win. Yeah, it really is, and not something that I ever believed no. would be addressed. No, in this and way. I think the same thing could be said for um, uh, Texas as a whole. The best, the best move I think any politi a politician has done on the border, perhaps ever, what comes from Texas. Um, his uh, his work and sending busloads of people over, Greg Abbott. Um, to New York and, and uh, Denver and Chicago, it was a game changer. <laughs> it really was. It was a game changer. It really was an incredible uh, situation. Now, of course, that also started with uh, Doug Ducey in Arizona, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. We had a huge story from Arizona today with Carrie Lake and this audio recording that was released did you did we land on this happen in 2023? Is that right? Mm -hmm. We're, okay, so it happens in 2023. She referenced it at one point in a speech, CPAC, and people last CPAC, year. and people were like, "Oh, she's just saying, you know, Carrie Lake. She just says whatever she wants to say. She's not. To, where's the evidence? Well, the evidence came out that she was essentially, I guess, being bribed by a Republican official to stay out of the race. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's illegal what they did, but it's absolutely unethical and, and immoral. Um, and everything that we should all be against 100%. Um, but it's interesting that it's not being picked up by the mainstream media. Here's, a, here's mm. something where you can actually attack the RNC on and say, look at how corrupt it is. And they won't. Why? Why is that? Because it shows Carrie Lake not taking the bribe. Uh, because they don't want people to look into what the DNC does. What? What is the? Why wouldn't you take that opportunity? That's a really good question. I mean, because you'd think. I mean, they don't like Carrie Lake, right? Yeah. So, and this makes her look good, so maybe that's maybe it. that's but, it. But again, like the bigger fish to fry, right? Like, why not go after the entire GOP? I mean, it would be it could just be a shows how corrupt scandal. they really are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's odd to me. It's really um, interesting. It, the timing is also interesting. Can I just go down into very cynical land here? <laughs> on, on this show? On this show. No. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm living in cynical land, um, she's very, very smart. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't doubt 
that she had some advice from Donald Trump on this. Wait, don't release the tape. Just wait. Wait for the drama. It's wait, a television wait show. For, Build the drama. Yeah, and wait for the the time when it will be um, uh, best seen. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. if it happened in 2023 and the news cycle wasn't into it, it just would have gone away. But here's what I thought when I saw it. That it is so reprehensible and so slimy that if I were in Arizona, I would be calling the GOP and saying, fire that guy, fire him. Um, and I would say to the GOP in Washington, uh, I want to know exactly who the phone call came from in, uh, back, in east? back East. Yeah. I, I want to know who that is. Now, I went through the mom test, which is um, means, uh, opportunity, and motive. Mm -hmm. And if you just look at the players in Washington and you look at who has the money for the Senate, do they have the motive to do it? I can think of somebody that does. Do they have the opportunity and do they have the means? Yes. I'd like to know if that's who it came from. Who are you saying it came from? I'm not saying anybody. You're not saying anybody, but you no. have an idea of someone. I have an idea. I'd like to know who it was, okay? Mm -hmm. Because we should be against all of this. But back to my cynical point. My first thought was, this is what happened to Nikki Haley. Not in the same way. Not in the same way. It wasn't a bribe. It was people that wanted to stop Donald Trump that came to her and said, look, we don't agree with you at all. Mm. But we can help you stop this. And as a, an established, more of an establishment Republican, she took that to further her career. Mm -hmm. Then I started thinking about all of the politicians that could have run and then they went into the private sector, into McDonnell Douglas or whatever. And I thought, how much of this is going on? Lots, right? Lots. This is not the first time this guy had this conversation, it no. seemed like. Um, can we focus on the Nikki Haley funding for a second here? Because I think we would both agree the idea of a Democrat funneling millions and millions of dollars to a super PAC supporting Nikki Haley is uh, untoward. I, mean, I, don't mm -hmm. know, I don't know how you, what word you want to mm -hmm. use to describe that. But I actually think in some ways it's at least a little bit more morally consistent than what the, the rest of the media and the Democrats are doing. Because if you're, you know, I can't remember the guy's, was it Hoffman is his name? Um, if he believes Donald Trump is literally Hitler, quote unquote, mm -hmm. uh, dumping money into finding any way to stop that person is the morally justifiable path. Yes. If you actually believe that. If yeah. you actually believe that. Mm -hmm. The media and the Democrats are doing the exact opposite. They think, well, we can beat Donald Trump in the general, so let's empower him in the primary. They ran ads supporting candidates uh, that were aligned with Donald Trump's values because they thought, oh, they'll be easier to beat in the general. Sometimes that worked out, sometimes it didn't. But, like, is it that they don't actually believe he's literally Hitler, or are they just so concerned with their own power they'll risk Hitler to, get a, a, to, to stay in power? No, I don't think it's that, uh, honestly, nefarious. Uh, color me stupid, okay. but let's just talk about uh, us. And one of the things we've learned over the many, many years of doing this. Too many. One of the things that bothers us is, both of us, is this chess playing. 
in the minds of even the voters. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, John Roberts said that about Obamacare because he's got a bigger thing he's going to come out with, and that's connected to this. Mm-hmm. And these people who we think are enemies are going to come out if we just move this chess piece in, and it never works out. Yeah. I think they just haven't learned that lesson. You'd think they would have in 2016. Right. But I don't think they did. I think Mm. they are so drunk on their own power and image and in such a small little world that they dismiss what's really happening and they convince each other. This is, we can do this. Oh, we can pull this off. Mm. Because they have for 100 years. Mm. That's terrifying, terrifying. Um, We talked about Haley. Give me a reaction to New Hampshire. It was a 12-point victory-ish for Donald Trump. Uh, Was that a good enough showing for Haley to keep going? I said yesterday that 10, anything over 10 was not not good. I stand by that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's going to continue to run. Um, And there's reasons for it and, you know, whatever. Um, I didn't like what Donald Trump said or what the media said Donald Trump said. I haven't seen him actually say this, but he said... Oh, there's just hell's coming your way in, in South Carolina. That's how they were reporting it. Mm-hmm. And I can see him believing that and saying that, but you don't say that out loud um, because you don't want to go, you don't want anybody going, oh, really? Really? I mean, I just let her run. Let her run, yeah. let her do her thing, and uh, don't pay attention to her because he, he does, he is right about one thing. In some regard, I don't like the fact that this thing has been over before it even began. Okay, don't like that. Don't like the fact that we didn't have real debates. Now, if I'm Donald Trump, I don't do a real debate. Okay? I understand it, but I yeah. I don't like it. Um, but if I was him, I would do exactly the same thing. Um, I don't like the fact that this has just been a coronation more than anything else. Um, however. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but we, I do like the fact that we're not having to wait until June, July, August before we can pool our attention and our money and everything else to one focus. That's mm-hmm. what Joe Biden and the left has done. They've been on Donald Trump from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's the guy they got to beat. Okay. I'm a little surprised that people are seemingly this upset about this primary going. I mean, it, we're in January. Uh, like, this is not late. This is a very early time. But this also time. is not an ordinary election either. Yeah. This is, I mean, we talked to a guy who was voting for Joe Biden today on radio, mm-hmm. and he is absolutely convinced that Donald Trump is going to be a dictator and end the republic. Um, I mean, I think we already, we already have Joe Biden doing that. He's just not seen as a strong man, but that's what's happening. There is a, there is a dictatorial system put in place. Um, and he's just kind of a figurehead right now. Donald Trump, if he became a dictator, he would be the Mussolini. He'd be out going, this is great, and I'm going to sign this, and you go away. <laughs> and we do have the chance of that. One is already happening. The, we all know... If this ESG, World Economic Forum, you know, build back better, all of this crap continues to go on 
and they their mis and disinformation campaigns with media corporations. If all those public-private partnerships continue on, it will be a dictatorship. Okay, it will be fascism. Mm. Um, so it has to stop. There's a chance that anybody gets in on the other side is going to have to stop all of this stuff. And they, the left will put chaos on the streets. So what is a president going to do? Probably would, you know, if it got to the worst case scenario, have to invoke emergency powers. Danger, but will he give it back? Mm. I think you, you could, I think he would give it back, but Nobody knows for sure. That's an awful lot of power, okay? But in the Donald Trump scenario, they should be less worried because when they say he tried to take over and flip the election, the system worked. It did. His own party stopped him. Mm-hmm. His own vice president stopped him, okay? So the system, that's the way the system's supposed to work. And even if you had two-thirds of the Trump supporters saying... No, he's a dictator. He's got to do these things. If it got out of hand, I think you'd have at least a third, I would, stand up and say, no, he's gone too far. We're a constitutional republic. And you'd know you'd have the support of the left because they just hate him. So you have a better chance of stopping that than you would on the other side. Because even the Republicans are going right along with the left. Scary time. Scary time. Uh, Glenn Beck, his new special coming up 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. It's the secret network helping Biden fuel the border invasion. So stay tuned for that. As always, make sure to subscribe and watch on Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew. You will save 20 bucks. Glenn, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Under the banner of incredibly stupid controversies, we have Ryan Gosling saying what everyone's thinking, at least according to CNN, about Barbie Oscar nomination omissions. Read his full statement. Um, I'm not going to read his full statement for you, but I will say he said this. He was happy about getting nominated because I guess the story is he got nominated for his role as Ken. I did not see the stupid movie, by the way, so I don't know anything about it. But um, Margot Robbie uh, did not get a nomination for her acting, and Greta Gerwig did not get a nomination for her directing of the movie. So he says, there is no Ken without Barbie, and there's no Barbie movie without Greta and Margot, two most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film. There's so much idiotic idiocy here like number one it's a big blockbuster movie it wasn't like typical oscar fair it was a big blockbuster very successful but like it wasn't typical oscar fair which you'd think it would get tons of nominations however it did get eight nominations which is not nothing and margot robbie and greta gerwig both got nominated for the movie it just wasn't for their acting and directing they got it for writing and producing but they still got nominated and and i'm sorry but there's no ken without barbie not everyone there's always more than one character in the movie if there's not everyone gets nominated for the movie and i, I mean I, I can't imagine he actually deserved a nomination for his role ken the doll but as you know it's a it's a a giant budgeted commercial for toys are we really going to get that worked up about it by the way hillary clinton was 
Hillary very upset. She's all upset about uh, the Barbie snubs. Uh, she said, Greta and Margot, while it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than... And it's got to be one of the movie references. Kenuff? Is that what? Is that like a... Oh, God. And then she hashtags it Hillary Barbie, which uh, I, I will tell you, you want to talk about a low-selling Barbie. Hillary Barbie sold negative units. Um, one more story before we go. <laughs> um, we've had all these uh, comp uh, issues at school boards across the country. And these sort of liberal school boards get in. They do something crazy. The, you know, the town rises up. It says, what the hell is going on? And they go in. I mean, we've seen this all over Texas, all over the country. Well, here's one that's really interesting. Um, a newly elected school board in Pennsylvania is bringing back their Indian mascot. Uh, their, I'm sorry, their American Indian mascot, as they put it. Um, Native American mascot, I guess. But here it is. Uh, new Southern uh, York County School Board defied cancel culture to restore a logo celebrating Native American Indian heritage. Uh, you never thought that could happen, right? The Redskins are not going back to the Redskins. The Indian, the, what are they, the Guardians are not going back to the Indians. People run for the hills, they get canceled. Well, that can actually change. If you do something in your own community, you can reverse some of the stuff. You might not be able to reverse all of it, but you can do something on your local level. So congratulations to a school doing uh, the, the right and brave thing. I wish I had more time for this story. We, we did cover it extensively on radio, so I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But Carrie Lake called on the Arizona GOP chair to resign after reports of leaked audio. There was a story where she said, like last year, that someone tried to bribe her to get out of the race for the Senate. And it kind of came and went as a story. I don't know if people just didn't believe her or what. Well, then the audio came out. Let me give you a taste of it. Is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And then go right back to what you're doing. Mm -mm. No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone, I can't think of a single person in a federal race who've lost, ran in and won. So you, you get the point here, basically, and it goes on and on and on, where he's basically explicitly saying, look, get out of the race, we'll get you some cash. Uh, he, she called on him to resign, even though this had been, I can't, I mean, it seemed like she recorded it. Maybe there was someone else at the table who recorded it, but we don't know exactly the whole story. But he wound up resigning. Uh, so that's the uh, end of that story, at least for the moment. I'm sure there's much more to come on it. Uh, also, in and out uh, one thing they've never done is close a location. That's how good these places are. If you've never been to in and out they have never closed a location once they've opened it until now. And why are they doing it? Because people don't like burgers? No, because... The Oakland crime problem is so over the top. Gavin Newsom even screwed up In-N-Out Burger. You might think that's impossible. Everyone loves In-N-Out. No, no. Even freaking In-N-Out can be screwed up by Gavin Newsom.
Just when you thought things could not get worse in our politics, Jon Stewart is going to return to The Daily Show as a host and executive producer once a week, which is <laughs> fun. Um, and I remind you the patterns of The Daily Show. Um, people don't watch The Daily Show when Jon Stewart is not on it. In addition to that, people don't watch Jon Stewart doing anything else other than The Daily Show. But people do watch Jon Stewart on The Daily Show, or at least we're going to have to hear about it constantly. So get ready for the absolute agonizing dribblings from Jon Stewart for the next year.